Welcome back to another episode of 5 a.m. Theology. Well, Rose, this week we got to the book of Leviticus and all of those laws, some of which sound crazy to us. Yeah. But this book is overarchingly about being holy before God because he is holy. Through Moses, God tells the Israelites not to follow the practices of the Egyptians who they'd just been rescued from, nor to follow the practices of the Canaanites in the land that they're going to take over. His people, God's people, are supposed to be different. And that should come as no surprise to anybody who's a Christian and listens to this podcast. But it's not just their own actions that the Israelites are told they're held responsible for. Leviticus 20 verses 4 to 5 says, And if the people of the land do at all close their eyes to the man when he gives one of his children to Moloch and do not put him to death, then I will set my face against that man and against his clan and will cut them all from among their people, him and all who follow him in whoring after Moloch. That's a warning to watch what other people are doing. Yeah, and to punish what other people are doing. Capital punishment is a huge debate among Christians where they're coming down on both sides, but here it certainly seems like God is validating capital punishment in certain situations. Yep. Leviticus chapter 18, two chapters earlier, is a list of forbidden pagan practices. Many of them are sexual sins. The chapter starts with 12 verses, verses 6 to 18, forbidding incest of any kind. Then it forbids having sex with a woman during her monthly period. Then it talks about adulterous affairs being forbidden, homosexuality being forbidden, and bestiality, which is sex with animals, being forbidden. And sandwiched in between is verse 21, which says, you shall not give any of your children to offer them to Moloch and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. And then, Chris, we get to Leviticus 20, where you read from, and that gives the punishments that go along with the list of sins in chapter 18. That's where the warning to the whole community comes in. Like you said, it's not just about minding our own sins. It's about guarding against other sins happening in society. Absolutely. In several instances, they were to bring God's judgment, like you said, by capital punishment, by killing the perpetrators of those things. In their theocratic society, this would have been a corporate judgment, not individuals bringing judgment against someone themselves. And we don't live in a theocracy today, but that doesn't mean that Christians are any more off the hook and can turn a blind eye to sin and do nothing about it. Two of the sins worthy of death struck a chord with me this week. The first is the sin of sacrificing their children to Moloch. The reasons for the pagans sacrificing their children were no different than people give for having abortions today. There's several reasons why parents sent their children from birth up until six to a torturous death. We talked about this in an episode of No Trash, Just Truth called Children Have Always Been the Target of Evil. But just to recap, some sacrificed their children hoping Moloch would bless them with fertility. Whether that would be more children or better crops or more crops, they were looking for fertility. So they got rid of one child to get more. Some did it when times were hard. They were looking to regain Moloch's favor or appease him. Usually this had to do with finances. Some inscriptions that have been found through excavation suggest that pagans would sacrifice 
special needs children or children with medical problems to Moloch in hopes that he would give them healthy children from that time on. Do those reasons really sound much different than today? No, not at all. They don't sound any different. Women abort babies for financial reasons and medical reasons, thinking that their lives will be better for it. Rose, I've been hearing people, Christian and non-Christian, say that the next U.S. presidential election will in large part hinge on middle-class women who claim to be Christians, but who will vote Democrat in order to keep abortion legal. I've heard why that too. Do they secret- yeah, why do they secretly want to do it? Because they want that option left open for their own daughters and their sons who may get a girl pregnant at some what they consider inopportune time in their lives. And we need to speak up about that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I said there were two things that stuck out to me this week from this these two chapters in Leviticus. And the other thing that stuck out to me this week was they were to sit by and let perverse sexual practices go on around them. And as you know, I've started reading Rosaria Butterfield's Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age this week. I've been listening to her in some of her podcast or speaking engagements recently. She has some wake-up calls for Christians about the lies that we've bought into about this stuff and what's loving and what's not loving. She says that it's actually unloving to let people go on believing these lies. This is something we've talked about too. Christians need to be bold and unafraid to speak up, even though there's laws against doing it. A big part of what we need to do is share the gospel. Instead of letting our young people believe the lie that homosexuality is something they can't help, it needs to be called sin. And they need to be given the remedy for sin, repentance and faith. Yeah. And the same with transgenderism. When it comes right down to it, it's jealousy. And she points out how that is. We don't really think of it that way because we've bought into these lies. But the person who truly feels like they're in the wrong body wants something that they don't have. They want a different body. In, in reality, it's no different from any of us who want somebody else's body. You know, we wish we were tall. We wish we were built this way or that way. It's no different. Again, the answer is the gospel. Whether it's talking to your friend about abortion or homosexuality or transgenderism, the answer is always the same. It's sin. And we need to stop buying into the lie that it's not or that they can't help it. We need to tell them it's sin and they need to turn from it, turn to God and repent. And this might not be an easy road to travel, but we need to share the gospel. We need to tell them that God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. That's Psalm 46.1. It's not going to be an easy road for them if they do turn. And she talks about that a lot. But we can and we should put our trust in God. And we should point that out to them. Our hope is always in him. And we are doing wrong by not speaking up about these things. You're right. The lies are so ingrained in us that Christians are believing them. I didn't realize how ingrained they really are. We saw it when we had Lizzie Marbach on and how the Christian pro-lifers don't, like you said, they don't really want abortion illegal. Nope. Now is not the time for believers to stay silent. It's never the time for believers to stay silent, but certainly not now. We're not called to turn a blind eye any more than the Israelites were. We're not called to be peaceful and just live calmly with everyone, loving everyone, 
and never making waves. God laid out the Israelites' responsibility in Leviticus 20. Now, we don't bring that sort of justice today. We don't, but we do have a criminal system. It might be badly broken, but we do have one. But we are to speak up. And we may be and probably will be told that we're very unloving when we do this and that we're very judgmental. But like you said, Chris, the truth is, is it's really unloving not to speak up against the sin that we say. And, you know, as you were talking, Rose, one more thing came to mind. And I think we talked about this a little with Tom Askell, or I know we've heard him talk about it. And that is this abolitionist movement that is coming down the pike. People who want and truly believe that abortion should be punished and not just the doctors, like the women getting the abortion too. Mm-hmm. It's definitely something to, to pray about and to, to research a little bit if you don't know anything about that. I thought Tom Askell had a great take on it. He said, all abortion is murder. Now is all those murders deserving of prison? I mean, we have different degrees of murder in our criminal justice system, right? which by the way, is based on scripture. And he makes a good point. All abortion is murder. Now to the degree that the woman is held responsible depends on the situation. I agree with his take on it too. He had a very good take on it. It's just something I thought of as you were talking And I hadn't really heard of it until the last several months. And I just wanted to throw it out there. So other people aren't surprised, aren't caught off guard and that they're thinking about it and praying about it too. And that's a good place to end today. Have a blessed morning, everybody.